0: You're listening to the Beauty Brain Show, where real scientists answer your beauty questions. And now, here's Randy and Perry. Hello, and welcome to the Beauty Brains. I'm your host, Perry Romanowski, and with me, as always, Beauty Brains co founder and originator of the symbiote Spider Man costume, Randy Schuler.
1: <laughs> randy starting a starting off the podcast with a superhero reference well done
0: hey actually i saw there were uh, there's rumors about them making a venom movie so that'll be interesting yeah
1: when i get the check from that i'll <laughs> let you know
0: Indeed. well randy we've got another great show for you today if you're tuning in for the first time this is episode 160 so feel free to go back and listen to all our previous shows before continuing
1: on um <laughs> Should we wait? (laughs) Is there there that much backstory to catch up on? Wow.
0: Well, anyway, on today's show, we'll be answering a number of beauty questions that were sent in from listeners around the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll be covering whether hair straighteners permanently straighten hair, if you can believe Mm -hmm. the ingredient labels on anti-aging products, Mm -hmm. whether titanium dioxide is always a sunscreen, and we'll look at the long-term implications of lip plumpers. But first, a little of that inane chit chat and uh, that uh, that we're so famous for. You you have any uh, inane chit chat to uh, start us off?
1: I'm gonna pass today because actually yesterday I had a root canal and I'm a little off my game when it comes to talking. Oh, so, man. but please chatter away to your heart's content. Well,
0: you know, I thought the audience would want an update on uh, a story we covered earlier in this year.
1: As long as it's not the rat thing.
0: It's Ratzkalnikov, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no, I
1: just... You know what? I'll, I'll just talk through my pain <laughs> if it gets us out of this segment.
0: No, it was just a quick update. I, uh, people will be happy to know that Kalnikov. I caught him, mm-hmm. and I released him. And I did a whole video on it, so if you want to check out my YouTube channel... Um, at You, you can
1: promote your own personal <laughs> crap on our show.
0: <laughs> what? Let's just it's uh, you know people 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 came to know and they came to love Ratzkelnikov and now they might be wondering what happened to him
1: <laughs> okay well,
0: he's gone so go ahead and check that out all right
1: well i'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes
0: <laughs> you know i never do look at the show notes i better check
1: it out. <laughs> yes. all
0: right how about we get on to some beauty science news
1: Uh, Randy, why don't you
0: tell us about some uh, smelly beauty products?
1: (laughs) Well, I I actually saw three different news stories this week, but they all had something in common. So I thought I would kind of condense them down into one little knowledgeable tidbit. But the theme here is uh, is new products that have a a rather odd fragrance profile. So, yeah, the first story I saw was a Japanese spa treatment (laughs) where they have a... A pancake scented hot tub. Now, I mean, I know different cultures embrace different scents differently, which is fine. But the idea of, you know, a hot cake hot tub just sounds so sickly sweet to me. I couldn't imagine. But it it smells like vanilla and maple syrup. So so go figure. Ah. So then I saw this new fragrance from the company we've talked about a number of times. And I still don't know how to pronounce their name. Is it Demeter or Demeter?
0: I always go with Demeter.
1: Demeter, okay. Demeter has a new scent. It's called Kitten Fur, and it smells like <laughs> it smells like the back of a kitten's neck. So it's oddly specific, but yeah. the back of a kitten's neck. So, I, personally, I'm waiting for their wet dog <laughs> cologne to come out. But you're not, are sure. not much Wait.
0: of a cat person, though, right? <laughs> not
1: really yeah. a cat person. That's that's fair yeah, enough. Right. Uh, and then finally, I saw this pizza flavored lip balm. Now, this one comes to us from an Etsy seller named uh, Regina, and she says, you know, it's not just a bland pizza flavor, it's not pizza in name only, uh, because it has robust notes of Italian herbs, tomato, and garlic. So, in other words, this lip gloss makes your mouth taste like all the things that you brush your teeth to try and get rid of. (laughs) Wow. So I, I guess I'm not the target audience. I don't really get it. But there you have it. Three products with questionable aromaticity.
0: This is why we get feedback from the audience that we're out of touch, uh, right? No, <laughs>
1: I know. I wouldn't want to disappoint them by changing my style you now. You didn't
0: know pizza flavor was on fleek.
1: <laughs> Stop trying to make fleek happen.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, you know, Randy, I've got a story that, that caught my eye. Um, and so let's, I'm bringing it down a little bit because this is a story about skin creams that were supposedly linked to fire deaths.
1: You know, I read this when you sent me the link. This, this is appalling. <laughs>
0: it is. Well, let me tell everybody about it. So according to a story by the BBC, dozens of fire deaths across England have been linked to skin creams that contain paraffin. Okay, and these are products that people use for treating conditions like eczema and psoriasis. Mm. But apparently, in the last seven years, there have been 37 deaths in England linked to the <laughs> use of these skin creams.
1: That's crazy. Yeah.
0: So, you might be wondering what's going on. You know, should you be afraid of using skin cream? Well,
1: yeah, it sounds ridiculous yeah. until you read the yeah. article.
0: Well, the condition in, in, involves people who accidentally set themselves on fire from sparks from like a cigarette. Um, and hmm. the cigarette ignites the creams where the people are either covered in it, okay it's now they use the term paraffin but their mm-hmm. their paraffin that that's not like the ingredient paraffin it refers to stuff like mineral oil or petrolatum right oh,
1: how, how do you get that cuz that's not how i read the article i assumed they were talking about the wax paraffin they were using in the creams
0: no it's they in in england at least this is what my uh my contact in england tells me is that okay. when when reporters and such use the term paraffin in England they're referring they can refer to you know general hydrocarbons so it's a,
1: they're they're using it cuz it, it can refer to a class of chemicals yeah. but it's also the name of a specific wax so you're saying in this case it's the general category right so it's
0: it's things where they have uh, high levels of petrolatum or high levels of mineral oil and these are things that you'll find in lotions sure okay. so so it seems what happens is that these these paraffin-based products, if they're uh, applied in really large quantities, uh, they're, not, you know, they're not flammable themselves, but they can, if you ignite them, they will burn sort of like a candle, right?
1: Isn't that what flammable means? If you ignite them, they will burn? They're, they're not <laughs> spontaneously combustible, <laughs> yes. but they're flammable. Well,
0: isn't there a difference between like if you hold a match on something for a long time and then it'll start to burn? Or mm-hmm. something where if you get a spark near it, it's going to flame up. Isn't there a difference there?
1: I, I don't know. We're not the the, the uh, incendiary brains. Well, that, I'm not sure. We'll have to look this no, up. So is isn't
0: there a flammability difference between, say, lighter fluid and candle wax?
1: Uh, I'll just wait in silence <laughs> while you Google that. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, anyway, let's get back to the story. So, so what happens in a lot of these cases is that... Uh, the cotton clothes that someone's wearing or the sheets that sure. someone's laying on, they get soaked yeah. with these materials. And then anytime, then a flame will ignite that, that wick, essentially, and then that will cause the burning. Yeah. Now, fires like this happened a lot in the 1970s before uh, flame retardants were mandated to be in pajamas, right? You know, they were okay. so mostly this is, but mostly this is a case of poor hygiene.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, if you wash your bed sheets once in a while, right? If, no if your
0: sheets or clothing are saturated in oil, you know you need to wash them <laughs> regularly, right?
1: I, I would, yeah, yes, yes. I,
0: and incidentally, this is not just a you know petroleum-based product problem. It, the same thing could happen, like with vegetable oil, if you're using a vegetable oil-based product and it mm. soaks into your sheets, and then you're smoking, get some sparks on that uh, sheet. That'll that'll right. lead to you know just, just like candles, but anyway, back to the original question: Are skin creams causing people to catch on fire? Um, possibly, but if you exercise good hygiene, you really shouldn't have a problem. And and incidentally, this is another good reason that you shouldn't smoke.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there you go, uh, a horrifying story with some moderately in-depth reporting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, how about those beauty questions?
1: Yes, let's move on to our first cosmetic question.
0: Hi. I have naturally very curly hair and recently on YouTube as well as friends of mine have said things to me like oh I used to have curly hair but I straighten it so much that now I have straight hair and that doesn't seem right to me it doesn't I I've always had curly hair it doesn't matter how much I straighten it it's it's when I get out of the shower it's still curly I've never straightened it so much that it just stayed straight even right after I got out of the shower and it changed my hair type so I'm actually just curious can straightening your hair consistently for a long period of time change the type of hair you have from being very curly to now that you naturally have straight hair because you've just straightened it with an iron so much? Thank you.
1: Thanks for the question, Sarah. Although it it sounded a little bit like Sarah was in an open cockpit airplane (laughs) when she recorded that. I'm not quite sure. I couldn't couldn't filter out some of that background noise. But anyway, thank you for the question, Sarah. Uh, The answer is essentially... Hell no! So thanks, everybody. We'll be back next uh, wait, month hey, with more hey, new uh, science news, more of hey, your questions. Do you have, do you have somewhere
0: to go? Like, <laughs> I thought we carved out this uh, time.
1: Well, I, okay. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, we should not, not, we to, sh- not We should get
0: a little more in depth on this question. don't you think? Uh,
1: I, I didn't mean to uh, to make fun of Sarah's question, but it's it's sort of like saying you know saying that. Uh, using hair straightening products long enough will make your hair start to grow out straight. It's sort of like saying bleaching your brown hair blonde for long enough will start your hair to grow out blonde. You know, it doesn't it doesn't work that way because, right, in both these products you're only treating the hair that's already grown out on the scalp yeah. and the chemistry and biology that determines if your hair is curly or straight in this question that all happens below the scalp that's
0: it's an interesting point although i suspect there are people that do believe that if you color your hair brown enough or blonde enough it'll eventually turn
1: that way right start to grow blood. I well we have not got I, that question from readers but we ins- listeners we should
0: inspect that comm- <laughs> uh we'll, we'll uh take a look at that question maybe at another time but why don't we take a look at uh what is uh what's this whole thing about hair shape so yeah. Essentially, there are two main factors that control the shape of your hair. One is the shape of the follicle. Uh, we've used mm-hmm. this analogy before, but you can think of it uh, of the hair as like little tubes of Play-Doh uh, that are squeezed out of the holes in your scalp, right? And if the yep. scalp hole is perfectly round, the hair comes out nice and cylindrical and straight, right? If, yep. if the shape of that follicle is a little flattened, it's a little more oval, then the hair is going to have this little elliptical shape to it, and that's going to cause it to uh, sort of start to twist and turn. And if it's uh, if it's flat enough, it's going to um, turn into a curl. If the hole is kidney bean shaped, right, the hair then grows to be really kinky, like African-American hair, for example. Mm-hmm. And there's really nothing you can do about it. Uh, that's going to change the way the shape of that follicle so whatever shape your hair comes out once it comes out that's the shape it's going to be now
1: yeah now that yeah that may change as you age with hormonal changes but anything you're just applying topically to your head is not going to change that that follicle follicular opening
0: hair shape is decided underneath your hair right
1: (laughs) correct so the other factor that helps determine that shape is the protein competition uh, protein composition of the cortex of the hair. Now, remember the um, the cortex is the core of your hair, the inside piece that's filled up with these protein bundles. That gives the hair its strength. And these protein bundles are grouped into two different regions. And one is called the ortho cortex, and the other is called the paracortex. You know, that used to be my full nope.
0: name. Paracortex. Oh, cortex. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I'm cutting that out. Uh, so these these two different regions absorb water differently, so the protein interacts differently with moisture, and this differential absorber this uh, differential absorption causes one protein region to swell more than the other. and as you get that swelling, it sort of pulls or twists the hair to one side and makes the hair curl, essentially. So that's why hair gets curlier in high humidity. I don't know if you remember, but we used to have a, a little demo in the lab we would do for this, where we would take um, two different sponge materials and cut them up and glue them together to make one sponge made of two different things. Right. And then um, that would that piece would be straight. But as soon as you would drop that in water, the two different sponge pieces would absorb water differently, and it would twist up into a curl because of that differential absorption. I do
0: remember that. We had some good demos.
1: (laughs) We did have some good demos, yeah.
0: So the chemistry and biology involved with these factors takes place deep in the hair follicle, and that's buried beneath the scalp, right? Now, once the hair is extruded from the follicle and it pokes out through the scalp, that's where you can see it, the shape shape of it is essentially set. Nothing that straightening products do to the dead hair on top of your head really affects what's going on underneath the skin.
1: Right, they don't affect the the living, growing cells. They're only affecting the cells after they've dried out and died, which is the hair that you see on top of your head. So what these straightening products do do is that they modify the molecular bonds inside the hair to change the shape from curly to straight or vice versa for that matter. So there are temporary straightening products that modify the hydrogen bonds, and these are the very weak bonds. So as soon as your hair gets wet, these hydrogen bonds will reset and your hair would revert to being curly again, they don't last very long. Um, Temporary treatments include heat processing as well, like flat ironing. So most styling products work this way too. If you style your hair straight and put on some sort of product, you're really um, sort of reinforcing those hydrogen bonds with with a styling product. But as soon as you wash that off or if your hair gets uh, moist enough in humid weather, boom it'll return to being curly yeah, exactly again.
0: on the other hand semi permanent and permanent straighting products they actually modify the disulfide bonds in the hair so these mm-hmm. are sulfur sulfur bonds which they're they're very strong and they give hair uh its its shape or they it it holds the hair shape now you have to break these bonds so that the hair loses the curly shape and then when you pull the hair straight, you recreate this bond, and then that will hold the shape, and then that essentially permanently changes the shape of that piece of hair or that hair fiber. These disulfide bonds are really hard to break and reform, but once you've straightened the hair that way, you know they're going, they're, that's just a permanent change. They're going to stay straight for a long time.
1: Right. So these long-lasting straighteners use technology that's similar to permanent waves or relaxers. It's that kind of chemistry. Some products use formaldehyde or formaldehyde-like chemicals because those are good at um, forming these cross-link bonds in the hair we talked about to keep it straight. So you can reform some disulfide-type bonds to maintain straightness.
0: You should be aware of the trade-off involved in using these products, though. The longer lasting the straightening effect, the more damaging it's going to be to your hair. That's because not all the bonds are reformed once they're broken. So you have to chemically degrade the hair and then reform bonds, and then you're not going to reform them in a perfect way, so the hair is a little weaker. Um, So essentially, permanent straightening weakens the hair, and it makes it more uh, easy to break the hair, or the hair becomes more breakable.
1: Yeah, and that's generally true of any chemical processing. If you color treat and bleach your hair, some damage goes along with that. So, to get that benefit, you know, it may be worth it to you to, to accept that trade off, but just be aware that um, the more longer lasting straighteners certainly do hurt your hair to some extent. Um, it, I did just learn something about curly hair I thought was interesting. I saw uh, a study from uh, mechanical engineers at Purdue University, and they used an infrared microscope to study how hair reacts to heat. And they found that curly hair loses heat faster than straight hair. And that's because the shape uh, and the surface area of hair determine how fast the heat dissipates. So straight hair holds on to heat for a longer time. Interesting. They said this research is important because it could help consumers predict how much damage they're doing to their hair during heat styling, which could lead to, to the development of new styling products that are designed to work better on curly hair. So I'd be curious to see if, you know, this research does actually find its way into some formulators' hands where they could do something with it. But I had not, you know, I was not aware of that. You
0: know, that's interesting, though. That And that explains why polar bears don't have curly hair.
1: Ooh. Right? That's interesting. Because,
0: you know, if, if curly hair could, would make you warmer, which you... Right,
1: lose heat faster. Genetic, genetically speaking, you'd want to have straight hair. I've, oh, I've always shape.
0: wondered why uh, Arctic animals don't have curly hair.
1: And what about kitten fur? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, all right, so anyway, Sarah, hopefully that answers your question. No, no matter how long you use these hair straightening products, your hair will not begin to grow out straight one day.
0: Yeah, and that's good news for hair hairstyl- hairdressers all around the country.
1: It's a uh, good job security. You keep
0: coming back. <laughs> All right. How about this uh, question about an anti aging ingredient list? All right. Uh, PMA asks Can I believe SkinCeutical's AGE interrupter when it says it contains 4% of blueberry and 30% of Proxylane?
1: Well, I, I think the more urgent question is what the hell is Proxylane? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wondered that Sorry. same thing. <laughs> So I, I, that's how it's spelled on the Skinceuticals website. It's P-R-O-X-Y-L-A-N-E, one word, Proxylane. But there is no such thing. Now there is an ingredient called so Proxylane, so P-R-O hyphen X-Y-L-A-N-E, and Xylane is a type of sugar. So Proxylane makes sense. By the way, that's also the uh, that's just the trademark name for an ingredient called hydroxypropyl tetrahydro. Pro- I, th-
0: thank you for giving yourself that one. Usually you give me the two <laughs>
1: first. first. <laughs> I should have made you pronounce that, but it, hence we use the easier to pronounce trade name proxylene. Um, but, you know, in terms of label <laughs> believability, the fact that they couldn't even spell the name of one of their key ingredients correctly, uh, that's one strike against them right that there.
0: That is a little scary. Alright.
1: But there's more. <laughs>
0: Alright, well let's look at some of these claims. So, I'm just going to read off some of the claims that right are off this bottle here. It says, Red- Reduces the appearance of skin creeping and thinning. Mm-hmm. Visibly improves the appearance of fine lines, wrinkles, and skin texture. Restores mm-hmm. water and nutrients to improve the look of skin firmness. Comforts dry, aging skin. Paraben, alcohol, and dye-free. Uh, okay. These are pretty generic claims. Uh, I was wondering, like comforting dry skin is like hey everything's gonna 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 be all right (laughs) but you should note the 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 judicious use of weasel words like reduces the appearance of or improves the look of if you do the right kind of tests you can usually get enough data to support any any of these kinds of claims right
1: right very simple that last
0: claim the one about being paraben free i mean yeah. That really should be a no-brainer, right? All you have to do is just not use parabens. Yeah, so but if you look at the ingredient list on their website, you'll see that the product contains ethylparaben and methylparaben. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. So so I think like the marketing department and the the R&D department were not copacetic on this and uh they, they somebody missed something there, dropped the ball. So, that looks like strike number 2 on the believability of this label. <laughs>
1: All right, well, now let's get back to the core of PMA's question, uh, which was about the concentration of these two ingredients. So the only way we can tell for sure how much of something is in there is to look at the actual formula, which we don't have access to. But we do know that by law, ingredients must be listed in the order of descending concentration, at least until you get to ingredients that are used at 1% or less. And And below that level... And 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 when
0: we talk about law things, you know, we're based in the United States, so we're just going with what the FDA says.
1: Uh, Although
0: in the EU and around the world, uh, Canada, these these rules are generally the same.
1: But you may, depending on your country, you may, you know, your mileage may vary. Um, So below 1%, you can list things in any order. So let's take a look at these ingredients
0: okay so so, the first four ingredients are water, propylene, glycol, dimethicone, and proxylene. Now, skinceuticals is telling us that proxylene is present at thirty percent now, okay. given the ingredient label law that we just mentioned, we know that the first ingredients have to be higher than thirty percent right
1: right it's because it's descending concentration so,
0: so let's just say that they're just a little bit more than thirty percent Right. so given the okay. ingredient label law we uh you know the first four ingredients if they were all 30% they, we would already be totaling 120% of the formula and that's screwed <laughs> so, up because you can't be more than 100%. Yeah, the fir-
1: if the fourth ingredient's 30% and the first three ingredients have to be more than that that just the math doesn't add up. Awesome. Um okay, but we're not done yet. What about this this 4% blueberry claim? So Uh, The INCI name for blueberry... But do you know what INCI stands for?
0: International Nomenclature of Cosmetic Ingredients. (laughs)
1: Very good. So the INCI name for blueberry extract is Vecinium Myrtillus fruit extract. And that appears on the ingredient list almost at the end. It's after the EDTA and the parabens that aren't supposed to be there in the first place. Uh, And and those things are used at way below 1%, usually a, a couple of a tenths of a percent. So we know the blueberry extract has to be below 1% because of the way it's listed on the ingredient list. Now, if the, if the blueberry in, uh, was present at 4%, it would have to be at much higher on the ingredient list, unless, of course, their whole ingredient list is just screwed up. So this whole thing seems very sketchy to me.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what's going on here? Now, the wording on their website says that the key ingredients are 4% blueberry extract and 30% proxylene proxylene. Proxylene. (laughs) Now, I wonder if it it is possible that they're referring to the concentration at which the ingredients are supplied to them, which Mm. those numbers sound about right. So in other words, if their proxylene is sold as a 30% solution, then they could be just saying, hey, we're using a 30% proxylene uh, in in our product, Right. So in other words, they're referring to the concentration of the ingredient itself as purchased and not the concentration used in the final product. But really, that still sounds sketchy, and it also sounds like strike three to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so to answer her question, in in terms of ingredient list credibility, this product is just a hot mess. I I don't know if they have completely screwed up the, the way the list was, you know, Put together, or if they're misleading on their claims, I don't know what's wrong here. But you you can't believe what they're telling you. It doesn't just add up. Now, what makes even less sense to me is when you look at who owns Skinceuticals. This is this is a L'Oreal kind wow, company. Really? So they're typically very careful and accurate with claims like these. So you know maybe the parent company's kind of letting this little Skinceuticals brand play fast and loose with the facts, but it, it's not accurate as it's presented on their website. Now. There's a bigger question here that, even though she didn't ask, we should try and address this. Which is, you know, is this technology worth trying? Is this proxy lane, is it, is it worth using? It's expensive. I mean, this product is $160 for a 1.7 ounce jar. Um, gee, it's made by L'Oreal. Wouldn't it be nice if L'Oreal made, you know, a cheaper product that used this as ingredient? Well, guess what? They do. <laughs> <laughs> L'Oreal, L'Oreal makes a triple deep, uh, triple power deep acting moisturizer. It's got the same ingredient. The formula base looks pretty similar and that's only $25 for the same amount. So if you really wanna try a product with Pro because you're interested in this technology, you can get the same stuff for, you know, about a quarter of the price if you are a smart shopper, and you will be a smart shopper if you listen to this program. <laughs>
0: wow, L'Oreal's going to love us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: so hard to get sponsors for the show. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. But you know what it's not hard to get? iTunes reviews.
1: Oh, love the iTunes you reviews. You do. So we Yeah, go ahead, you explain it. Well, we haven't read these in a while, but they're they're a huge help to us because they help um, other people find the show. The more iTunes reviews we get, the the higher we are in the rankings. So we always like to give our listeners a quick shout out and thank them for uh, leaving us a review. So we've got a couple of quick ones to read today. The first one comes from Robert in the UK, who says, informative for chemist listeners as well. The episodes always bring a smile to the end of my day when I get to enjoy Perry and Randy rip into false claims, cheeky company practices and scientific blog posts. Always nice to hear from another cosmetic professional. Yeah. Thank you, Robert.
0: And when a bar says, makes my life easier. I used to spend so much time researching and reading articles, blogs, magazines, etc. Now, if I want to know something, I can count on the beauty brains to fill me in. I love the rapport, which is a hilarious mix of nerdy cool.
1: I'm glad I can bring the cool piece Ah. to the humor. Uh, Okay, Mr. Comic Book Man. (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying that's nerdy? All right. uh, Ye Old Goldie says, Do you scour cosmetic ingredient labels with the avidity of a Lulaman-clad yogini dissecting the food product labels at Whole Foods? Uh. No, I don't know, but I like the sound of that. Are you a critical thinker who understands the difference between marketing hype and solid, tested, and effective anti-aging ingredients? If so, this podcast is for you.
0: Excellent. Thanks, uh, you old Goldie.
1: You old yeah, Goldie.
0: Nice. Uh, Choir geek from United Kingdom says, "Super fascinating. Listen ASAP and educate yourself on what you're putting on your skin."
1: And how often you should wash your bed sheets. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that. Uh, CWFFBG says, I'm a guy who wears natural makeup to cover blemishes and etc." and I've slowly been sucked into the world of makeup and skin care as much, uh, much as I love fat mascara, which is a, another beauty podcast. It's so refreshing and awesome to hear guys discussing the world of makeup and beauty. Please keep this podcast going forever.
0: Well, we will endeavor to go at least as long as we can. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. all right our last one here uh abby love says humor wit and hardcore cosmetic science i'm an esthetician and i just love filling my beauty brain with all the scientific information from behind the cosmetic industry scenes do you ever want a showgram guest <laughs>
1: <laughs> that'd be awesome we've dabbled sort of with you know Guest callers and things—it's difficult the way we record the yeah, show. Yeah, it's we're a...
0: very loosey-goosey with our schedule.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you <laughs> are, but I don't know. All right. Uh, and well, but uh, anyway, Abby Love will keep you in yes. mind. Thank you. All right, Perry. Let's uh, let's close out the show. Let's do just two quick questions. All right. And I'll tell you what. I'll I'll read the question, and then you answer it, and then you read me a question, and you I'll answer. You got it. it. All right. Okay. Here we go. Here's your question. Uh, This comes to us from our forum. Remember, we have the Beauty Brains forum on our website. Uh, And it says, Hi all, just wondering if all skincare or makeup products that contain titanium dioxide provide some amount of sun protection, even though an SPF is not listed on the bottle. I see it listed in some of my moisturizers and serums. For example, Olay Eyes Lifting Serum.
0: Well, that's an easy one. Titanium dioxide, turns out, is not just a sunscreen. It's also used to whiten a formula or to make it more opaque. It's a a covering Mm -hmm. pigment, essentially. And I think uh, that's the case in the Olay product that you mentioned. Based on where it appears on the ingredient list, there there wouldn't be enough in there to be a functional sunscreen. And in this case, it's at the bottom, so it's 1%. It's less than 1%, so it's not a sunscreen, which when used as a sunscreen, this ingredient can go up to 20%.
1: Yeah, it takes quite a bit. Uh, just
0: one know. other Very thing good. to add here is that uh, you know this product may have some SPF effect because of the titanium dioxide, but but Olay didn't go through and do the SPF testing, so they're not going to make that claim. Right. But I I certainly wouldn't rely on this for SPF.
1: New, 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 new.
0: All right. Here's a question for you, Randy. From Angela C. It asks. Just wondering if there are any long-term effects to using lip-plumping glosses. My favorite is by Soap & Glory, a product called Sexy Mother Pucker.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, what's the name again?
0: Sexy Mother Pucker. Okay. About a minute after application, the tingly stops, and it's a nice long-wearing gloss that isn't overly... Uh, goopy my question is is there a downside to using these products will using this daily prematurely age the skin on my lips or cause fine lines to appear sooner
1: okay good question angela um as you may or may not know limp plumping products work by using an irritant to stimulate the nerves in your lips and that's what causes that tingly feeling um they may Uh, that irritation effect may stimulate histidine release, which could give you some temporary swelling. As long as the product doesn't over-irritate your lips, or as long as you don't develop an allergic reaction to any of these ingredients, it's probably fine. It's unlikely it's going to be doing any long-term damage. But the thing you have to watch out for is that if you're applying this kind of product to your lips frequently, it can leave your lips very dry and chapped. and then you have to apply more product, and then that tingly sensation can be even more pronounced because your lips now are more um, chapped and open to the ingredients. So that it can almost get too intense over time if you continue to use it, but it's not going to cause you any other long-term damage. Right.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that, Randy. It looks like we've come to the end of our show.
1: We have well.
0: Don't miss our next episode where we're going to answer your beauty questions and look at some of the beauty science news that affect everyone's lives, or at least some people's lives. What a
1: very generic teaser for the next show that really gave that didn't give much away. Yeah, but yeah.
0: Well, you know, it's
1: because we haven't written it yet. <laughs> well, you know,
0: if you want to get your question answered on the show, there's a there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can send us an email to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. You can actually just record it right on your phone. And, and send it to us or you can write it up and send it to us although we like to have other voices on the show so it's just not too dude just <laughs> chatting
1: yeah that, get, that gets old after a while <laughs> or
0: you can participate in discussions on our forum go to the beautybrains.com bb forum uh, where you can find out what kind of answer questions we're we're getting and what kind of stuff we're answering
1: Excellent. Very good. All right. Well, that's it for this week, everybody, or this month, I should say, but we'll be back next month with lots more. So until then, everybody, remember, be brainy about your beauty.